0: Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to the Talks of Thompson podcast. I am here with uh, my friend Hyla Willis. Hila uh, is a professor of media arts at Robert Morris University. And Hila, like I think we go way back, but we've never had a whole lot of opportunities to, to connect in, in depth. Uh, we're like in the yeah. same circles. We were in the AIGA circle together and you know,
1: yeah, I think that's where we first encountered. You. It might even have been when you were still a student, possibly. Like, I kind of remember you, maybe you were with the LaRoche and the AIGA, and we definitely were at some um, meetings either, but I'm excited to be a, a guest on the podcast, because I think it's so cool that you're doing this.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm glad you're here, too, because I, I think we've got a, a lot of fun things to to talk about and have a lot in common, certainly. A lot of people. You're you're actually referring to my first teaching job. I was teaching at La Roche, oh. and I was on the AIGA board at the time. Uh, it's like 2009, 2000, yeah, yeah, 2007 through 2009, and that's that's where we had, uh, I think, originally met each other. Um, that's
1: been a minute. Uh, <laughs> I guess
0: it's been like I guess a decade. I
1: guess I thought we went back earlier because, um, like, I was before I started teaching. I was working at Edge. Which is an architecture firm, and I was also at the Museum of Natural History for a hot minute.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so. I will trust your memory on this, <laughs> <laughs> well, not mine. Um, so anyway, uh, so we we we've got uh, we've got a lot of people in common, a lot of friends, and uh, mutual interests, and and I'm interested in. Um, Really, let's, let's start with, with how you got your start. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, via this podcast, a lot of undergraduate designers, okay. mm-hmm. marketers, and one thing I always like to connect with people on is, you know, when they knew they were gonna be a designer or what were the, what were the traits that they recognized in themselves that put them on the design trajectory? So where did uh, you get your start?
1: Well, it's kind of funny, like I, I've always been artistic, um, and I kind of accidentally found this path to design through typesetting. Okay. So I oh, I was aware of design from a very early age because I had this really curious father who was uh, curious about design and informed and liked to dabble, but it was never like his full vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was aware of it, and I was aware of like... Old school page layouts. I always loved making like multi-page zine type folded weird things from a very early age. Um, And then uh, I have kind of a bumpy school experience. I actually dropped out of high school in the 10th grade and went to junior college and I was able to do that because California had its own version of a GED class. Okay. So I kind of did junior college instead of my last couple years of high school, which was great. Yeah. Um, And then I went off to a four-year school. I was 17 or something and I had to pick my major. I'm like, I have no idea. (laughs) I like writing. I like art. I like science. And so I made this crazy choice to get into a um, um, I I ended up at this great university in California that had a journalism track with a PR concentration. And that sounded fun because it had some design classes. So it was kind of a little bit random because I was way too young to make that choice. And through that, I became involved in the student newspaper. Mm and I learned how to set type with the edit writer. And that became, I, it would take a couple of years to become good at that, this is way before WYSIWYG. And sure. that ended up becoming like how I paid my way through art school. And when, it, when typesetting started to fall apart, I made my way into design.
0: Okay. Um,
1: so, and I still remember my journalism professor this is being in the mid 80s or actually the early 80s coming back from a conference in San Francisco with this eight and a half by 11 printout of these really crappy looking fonts and saying like, <laughs> kids, check this out. It was like Chicago and all of those like these fonts are going to change the world. And we're like, oh, those oh. are horrible. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> because there was no desktop publishing at that point. So thank you, Dr. Siemens, may he rest in peace. He was a
0: fantastic
1: <laughs> guy at, at um, Humboldt University. So I worked on the student newspaper there and kind of ended up dropping out. <laughs> but I took that trade with me to Seattle and I eventually went back to art school. Um, and I worked on several like uh, publications in Seattle mostly on the uh, typesetting and production side but then as desktop publishing came along i got retrained and uh, that's how i made my way into design
0: oh you haven't looked back Uh, huh and you haven't looked back
1: (laughs) well i always look sideways yeah So, kind of print production print design has um always been how i've made my living even as i've been in and out of um college and simultaneously working on a career as an artist Mm as like a fine artist
0: so so you know based on what you said one thing I I like about your path is that you've used art and design in in a practical way to you know uh, afford your education and and in your way of life and you know that's one thing that at least with my students I try to get them to be aware of as early as possible even if like you know, you're a freshman, like, please be aware that you can make a living doing this work
1: right now.
0: Um, so I'm, I'm,
1: you're, you're like worth something.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'm, I'm obsessed with trying to get designers to be full-blown entrepreneurs if I could help it. And, uh, a lot of that has to do with like, you know, I went through the, the economic collapse in 09 and you know that was—I was two years out of school, out of my bachelor's degree at that point, and and I was starting to think like, wow, you know, if if design took this brutal of a hit, marketing took this brutal of a hit, maybe I should find something else to do. Um, but what I realized was that I had other skills that were kind of design adjacent mm-hmm. that I could still utilize to. Uh, make a make a living and what were those? Um, well, you know, I I I was a decent photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a good writer, so there were aspects there that that um you know I could I could put into practice. Um, I was also uh good at uh you know doing social media at the time. Uh, on you know for for clients and so those aspects you know if they weren't inherently creative then they were sort of more marketing focused i have a really strong grasp on on different types of technology and i could do 3d modeling and and video and stuff like that so you know i found some things that i could keep myself busy with um but it was also at that time that i realized like there's got to be a way to be as recession proof as possible And that's when I went to grad school. I got I got the scholarship to go to grad school, and you know, uh, so now I can teach and then actually practice design. And I'm a bit recession-proof in in that respect.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But with with my design students, like find a job on campus where you can do this stuff, even if you're not a strong designer. Cut your teeth on it and 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 try to learn what you can on that that professional. You gotta be
1: flexible. Yeah. Yeah. The the tools always change. And the pace of change just keeps accelerating.
0: Mm.
1: But now, now I'm like old enough, I'm like, Oh, but it goes in cycles, right? Right. So that's kind of interesting. I'm kind of excited for the next cycle. I think it's coming.
0: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt, and you know another thing that, that you had said, like you know you were you were doing page layout uh, b- before the technology was there, and you have a a, a grasp and appreciation on, on that foundation. And um, I I I told I tell my students about it uh, anecdotally about this one time where I was volunteering for a nonprofit, and we had to make these what were supposed to be as impressive as you can make them boards for like the silent auction, right? Yeah. And, and I tell my students about this because I want them to understand that like, you know, if you can still make good design product without a computer, then you're a graphic designer, right? If, if you don't need to rely on, on the software to actually make something interesting, then you're, in, you're certainly in the, in the right career path. And um, I was able to do that. And just with like cardboard paper and some tape, you know, and uh, and I remember the, the, the folks I was working with, they're like, wow, this is awesome. You should do this for a career. I'm like, I kind of do.
1: <laughs> but um, you just reminded me that one of my work study jobs was doing flyers for like the campus career center. Mm-hmm. And I had this amazing boss that would just let me do like weird shit like <laughs> I, would, I could just go to town on like the Xerox machine and mm-hmm. so I would do these flyers for the, it was in the area with a lot of forest fires so there was a lot of recruiting for the hot shots so okay. I would be throwing down like burnt matchbooks on the Xerox and cutting type <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs>
0: But, but that was a, a great output for, for what you were learning, right? And um, so I'm curious. So when did uh, you decide you wanted to be in higher ed and be a professor and the like?
1: I never did. I got <laughs> recruited into it. Oh, okay, okay. And the rest is history. Awesome. I was not on the market. I I've always loved learning.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I love sharing knowledge but I never set out to be a teacher um, but it so happened that uh, there was a position at RMU it was openly advertised but someone was like you need to apply for this you need to... and I'm like well I'm, really, I'm not really looking and at the time it kind of seemed like I could do a little bit of both mm-hmm. um, and the timing was kind of good because like the 2000 It was the earlier recession. It was like the 2002-ish, three-ish recession. There was like a couple of bubbles in there. Anyway, it was on the cusp of another (laughs) bubble. I'm like, okay, this is good. It might take a little pain off my main employer. I can still be part-time. Because I I still love hands-on. I love working in teams and doing creative work. But I really wasn't looking, so I was like, well, what the heck, I'll apply. It could be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I had taught, I had adjuncted a little bit um, at Carnegie Mellon and Chad, and um, and I had also been hired to, like, help write some curriculum because I had this link to industry so I could give a different perspective. I was like, oh, what the heck? And, uh, yeah, so I started, and then <laughs> it was just, like, really hard to do both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, so that's that's how I ended up. And my father's a teacher, so I was he's uh was a public high school teacher for most of his okay. career. So I was kind of familiar with um you know that so world the a little bit. Was there? Huh?
0: The connectivity was there. So you had yeah. some of the some of the, the I guess the interest forced on you, and then it just kind of organically came by way of being recruited.
1: Yeah, but I, I think that um, really like my love of learning and my curiosity and liking to share and working collaboratively is kind of like what made it a, a okay fit. So
0: yeah. Um, and so so you've been teaching, and um, what what kind what kind of classes do you are you teaching, or
1: teach yeah. the most or whatever. So, it's the gamut, and we're about, we're on the cusp of a big change, which is kind of exciting. So, uh, I have been in a program called Media Arts, mm-hmm. and it sprung out of a communications department uh, to become a freestanding department under the leadership of Tim Hadfield, who was the chair at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, it did have like roots in communication. Um, so it was a, a media arts, and uh, then there were these different concentrations. Graphic design was one. Uh, and uh, graphic design is about to split off to become its own freestanding major instead of a concentration. Wow. So that's exciting. Nice we're going to. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of work, but I think it'll be exciting for the students. And yeah. um, so uh, within that, I mostly have been teaching. Uh, Intermediate and advanced design courses, but also a little bit of foundations, which I really enjoy. So, I teach like our junior studio, um, sometimes intro to web. I've mm-hmm. always taught the production class. I love print production, so that's a fun one to teach. Um, corporate ID, cool. uh, and then uh, some of the foundations courses as well, and. So since yeah. my colleague Professor Crane has retired, she's an incredible educator. I remember her? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so that's a real loss for us. But I've been uh, teaching some of the typography courses, which is a real passion. So I've been enjoying that as well. Soup to nuts.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've seen. You've seen the whole. The whole spectrum. And uh, for for those that that are uh, you know listening or watching the podcast, like they're they're in the kind of the middle, middle ground of their, of their design careers. Like it, they're getting ready to graduate or they've just, they've been out very short while after uh, undergrad. And um, I'm curious, what, uh, what kind of advice do you give uh, students relative to, you know, they're starting their careers and, mm-hmm. you know, what kind of direction do you point them in?
1: Well, Kind of depends a little bit on the student. So uh, one thing that I like to do in every class is just make everyone aware of the diversity of the profession and the trade. So, for example, when in the production class we learn about all of the jobs around the printing plant and how printing has changed and digital pre press things like that. I encourage people to be very flexible about their tools. The tools are in constant change. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to um, know yourself, be able to articulate your, not just your creativity, but your creative process and how you generate ideas, what kind of feedback you get on those ideas and how you refine in response to communication problems. So always keeping that in mind it's even though it's exhausting you just have to accept that the tools are going to keep changing so Mm -hmm. um i encourage students to be very open about like their first jobs because you can learn from any type of job and then you can use that to jump to the next one so my very first job was horrible but i learned so much um because i moved to a bigger market than where i had gone to school Mm -hmm. and uh I naively like thought I was gonna land something cool. So I would trot around with my portfolio, which in that days was like the big black zipper right. envelope. And uh, I just like, I was a little clueless. I didn't know I was up against like these good. Sc- I just didn't have that kind of transitional mentorship, but right. I did land a job at a little printing company where I was kind of autonomous in terms of design. And it was a horrible job, but I learned so much about what happens to your designs when they got to get put on a printing press.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that was fantastic. And then I went from there and I um, ended up taking a risk on a temporary job and that turned permanent. And uh, that job allowed me to kind of grow and change and mature, so that was really good. To so be great. flexible. Um, I have a student who took what sounds like kind of like a boring job. Like he did basically direct mail layouts for kind of a regional furniture distributor, not value city level, but kind of, (laughs) you know, he moved to another state and got kind of, you know, imagine doing those weekly flyers, but he learned how to Art direct photo shoots. He did some spectacular work that got the attention of a name brand furniture designer, a big, he got involved in the AIGA in his new state. And mm-hmm. suddenly he was getting recruited and now he's like the art director of like a major national children's clothing. Wow. Yeah, so. Humble beginnings. I okay. doubt that that first job was his dream job. But right. he, he took what he could get, he learned from it and, and he stayed involved with the community and leveraged to the next thing. So that's a little bit of advice. I like to give those examples.
0: You know, I, I think that I think that's a great example. And, and you know, from for me, this is something that I've kind of been struggling with lately because um, I've had a lot of students say like, I just want to find that first job and just kind of stay there as long as possible. Um, and I have to tell them like, you know, you can, that may be your goal, like find one job and be there as long as possible, but like your potential may direct you otherwise, you know, uh, you may just fall into something or be recruited for something. And if you're, if you have any belief in, in your set, like you owe it to yourself to explore and, and find those, those new opportunities. Um, I think that at least some of the students that I've spoken to, they're concerned about the, a perceived instability of of design positions. And I think some of that harkens back to you're told, like, we're not, you know, this program isn't training you to be in an in-house corporation. This is, you need to go straight to a design agency. That is the expected career trajectory. Like that is the path you take. You will go to a design agency. And when they, they, they have this beaten into their skull repeatedly, it's like, wow, you know, you look at these agencies and there is at times high turnover or the agencies themselves don't last. I mean, in, in Pittsburgh alone, I think there's a handful of agencies that have been here for 20 or more years. Yeah. Um, so I think that that is particularly concerning. And, you know, so I'm trying to get my students to recognize their value. Mm-hmm. and find positions that they don't necessarily have to you know be in for their whole career and then also get the hell out of pittsburgh like oh God, you God. know
1: yes <laughs>
0: like go explore different states yeah. and different parts of the world i that think stuff.
1: that's especially true for like my students of color because mm-hmm. pittsburgh is has not been like a great supportive atmosphere but there's other markets where it's like they're welcome and supported and you know you can always come back but um yeah even like just get out for a little while see the world uh be around people that went to other schools that's so good for
0: you yeah and you know and aside from that like there are even more design jobs now at least in terms of the diversity of jobs Mm -hmm. like You know, I'm teaching a lot of students that, hey, I need you to understand how web design works. I don't need you to be an amazing developer. Like, if you even have a working knowledge of HTML and CSS, great. That's going to take you so much farther than being, like, this amazing back-end developer because front-end user interface jobs are just that, front-end. You know, so there's there's certainly more diversity in, in the types of jobs that are that are available to designers now. Yeah. And you know, so you 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 said you taught a little bit of web. Um, how how do your students deal with with web? What's their what's their oh, so uh, attitude towards it?
1: Well, first of all, like I was self-taught in web, mm-hmm. and it was not a hard transition because before desktop publishing all of your typesetting was a lot like just command line HTML basically. Sure. So it wasn't that hard for me to get my head around. I've never been great at it. I'm, I'm like two steps ahead of students. Mm-hmm. So my goal has had to change with time. I've really noticed changes in, uh, in students' perception of what is the web, what is a website, what is an app, what is the uh-huh. internet. So it's interesting because we're always having to adapt. So my attitude, uh, which probably needs a refresh, it's, it's, it just changes so fast, it's incredible. So my, my current approach is I want all the students to have a basic familiarity with how a website works. And that does in, include learning some HTML and CSS and maybe like editing a little bit of JavaScript um yeah. being able to compress images appropriately it goes it's, it feels like it's one of those cyclic things it goes back and forth where a designer does it all and then a designer does a piece and then we're back to the designer does it all and then there's mm-hmm. suddenly a drag and drop thing and then it goes so it changes all the time right. um so right now i'm finding it very hard to stuff in code and design. So I'm kind of teaching it as a smorgasbord. Like, let's understand mm-hmm. how this works. Let's start to have some goals. Um, and,
0: and from a high level sort of aerial view, I, I, I agree with that tactic because uh-huh. I'm finding that, and, and I know you, you'll likely agree with this, that the the m- more software, the that is easier to use, that is drag and drop, the more democratized it becomes, the more people are are practicing design, even if they're not trained designers, right? And in some respects, that forces the designers, our students, to learn more skills than just design ones. So when one of the things that I go over with my students is we look at job descriptions and a lot of job descriptions these days for graphic designers. They want these mythical unicorns that <laughs> yeah. can do everything. <laughs> so and, and right. And my goal is like, listen, you know, I can't teach you everything that this job description wants because they want you to be great at social media, be great at writing, be great at SEO and email marketing, also be an amazing designer and print and interactive, with all this stuff. Like the best that they can do is just try to be really exceptional at a couple of those things and get some experience some exposure to everything else and Um, show
1: your show your willingness and ability to pick up new things because who knows by the time you get hired (laughs) there's a new tool out (laughs) and guess what they're not finding those unicorns because I get emails like, "Please help us find somebody for this unicorn role. It, we're willing to train with, um, for the right person. We'll take someone less experienced if they have potential." So, mm-hmm. students like apply anyway. If you're like almost qualified, or if you have like most of the stuff, just throw your damn hat in the ring and uh, let let the uh, let the deciders decide.
0: Exactly. And, you know, an example of that is like, so for example, my job at Pitt, when, when I interviewed, it was, hey, this job is like 98% writing and you're a graphic designer. Why should, why should I hire you? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, the, the methodology that's used for both can essentially be the same, except they manifest differently. And I don't remember what I said, but it was clearly successful. And then I got to the job and I realized like, you know, most of the stuff that you're producing is it actually needs to be a graphic design work product, not writing. The only reason it was writing was because the guy that I replaced was a journalist.
1: Ah, mm-hmm. and I'm
0: walking into an advertising position essentially mm-hmm. so I'm like no we're going to switch the paradigm mm-hmm. and now it's all graphic and we've seen this huge uptick in interactivity so I, I have to tell my students too like you know these unicorn positions they say they want one thing and then if they hire you they're going to realize that what they needed or what they wanted is not what they needed yeah, and, sometimes
1: they might not know because they yeah. lost or you know their creative teams growing or they realize they need one, but it might not be like their area of maturity. Right. So,
0: yeah, yeah. It, it's not. Yeah. It's not always going The intent does not always match the practical, um, you know, reality of, of the job. So, you know, get a little bit of experience in a, in a variety of things just know maybe a little a bit enough to be dangerous. <laughs> right, and, and and
1: also be polite and humble about what you do know and don't know.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's pretty easy yeah. to
1: step on people's toes.
0: Oh, but for I sure. I want ask
1: you your thoughts on on a related topic, which is the proliferation of like pretty kick-ass templates. Like almost anyone now can grab a smartphone and do like a decent-looking flyer, mm-hmm. but so I'd like to just know what your thoughts on like the proliferation of like easy access stock fonts, templates, and what are we telling design students in relation to that these days? I think it's important.
0: So, um, there, so for me, this response is multi-layered and mm-hmm. it's an amazing question. Um, so the students, first off, the students that are pioneering enough to discover those things And then actually use them. They're only solving short term problems that and those short term problems are their problems. Specifically, they are not, they may be solving a problem for a school project or maybe for a client and then that works in the short term, but in the long term, it's not sustainable because essentially you know we need to be able to create the things that our clients need and that's not always going to be available in a stock graphic
1: mm-hmm. however
0: um i consider stock material to be akin to software in the sense that you use the right tool for the right yeah. situation so for example um i'm doing a project now where it's not exciting at all it's straight production work Mm -hmm. and even there is a difference there's that full-on creative work and then there's production work yeah production work is you know for those listening production work is basically you're you're putting things together that have already been created you're just modifying them differently so um i'm working on powerpoint presentations which is like the bane of my existence (laughs) but the clients need a visual language system for yeah. their PowerPoints mm-hmm. and they want to use icons. So mm. I could custom build all of these icons and go through the iterative design process on every single icon with my clients, but it's going to take four times as long and it's going to be over budget, over deadline. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a million icon sets out there already. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from my point of view, I, I would say to them, hey, we have options here we could use some stock. If you're okay with that, I'll proceed in that direction. However, you're the client, you should feel empowered. If you want me to create those things from scratch, I can do so, but here are the circumstances. So it's the right tool for the right reasons. And then also be transparent and open with your clients about it. Um, I don't have a a particular issue with using some stock Mm -hmm. items. in depending on who the client is it it's a great means to an end uh do i prefer to always create my stuff yes but that's just not objective reality um however i have had some students that again have been pioneering enough to find you know the i stocks the vector stocks of the world and actually use it and then claim it as theirs and it's just like your skill level is nowhere near (laughs) There's a way level to tell, of right? to make those things. Like, I'm not stupid. Like, like <laughs> even the person sitting next to you knows just by looking at it that there's no way you could have made that. Like, I can still see your you you and I spending enough time in Adobe Illustrator. You can just visualize the pen paths, right? Yeah. So, um, so right tool for the right reason. Um, it's it's a crutch if you rely on it too much. Um, and unfortunately these days I'm finding that, uh, more clients are either becoming aware of this Mm -hmm. and they're using it themselves, like Mm -hmm. stock materials themselves. And what they're doing really is, are they damaging the design industry? Yes. By way of not using a designer to do the work. Are they hurting the discipline? It depends on the quality of the work.
1: Mm, Yeah. It depends on
0: yeah, and then um, ultimately they're they're damaging their brand by by going renegade like that. So, you know the the on that topic, but uh, uh, rele- relevant to that is like utilizing sites like Fiverr, mm-hmm. which continue to become more and more popular. Yeah, there is good work coming out of Fiverr, sure, but yeah. but the fact that it costs practically mm-hmm. nothing is disastrous. Uh, for us. And, and then the the last part of that sort of equation is AI powered design.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So
0: AI powered design can look good because the design work that's being put into the database is well designed by humans. (laughs) And then the AI just kind of puts it together.
1: That's why Adobe's pushing us all so hard to the clouds because they're yeah. creeping on our design decisions.
0: <laughs> so yeah, absolutely, <laughs> they they absolutely are. And you know, I don't know what our industry will look like in twenty years. It could be very AI driven. And I got to tell you, like, there is a it's it's like a miracle. I've been waiting for twenty five years for this thing um, in Photoshop. They're using more AI-powered tools in Photoshop now. Mm-hmm. And you know how you would have to use the pen tool to do a clipping mask and no, to extract so a person out of mm, Yeah.
1: yeah right? Hair is like the internship from hell.
0: <laughs> there, Yeah, but the latest version of Photoshop, you hit one button, and it does it all automatically, and it's perfect. And it, it takes hours out of that process. And yeah. I'm, I'm just blown away by it. So like, use AI. For good in that context, <laughs> but not in the others. So,
1: well, yeah. I think that it's a little bit of an exciting time because because of the proliferation of these tools, mm. anyone and their you know half dead uncle can do a neat flyer. But sometimes there's there's two things. There's like a horrible mismatch of content and template. Like that's always how you can kind of tell. It's like. That message looks really good, but it's like, it's just a wrong fit. I saw one the other day and I was just shaking my head. uh, You know, there was like a headline for the ad and the template had like one word really big. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: All right. So the person using the template just used whatever the middle of the sentence was. And so the, the result was blah, 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 for (laughs) <laughs> blah, blah 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 I'm like is that the most important word of the message I don't think so right. so, <laughs> so there's yeah, bad so- templates but then there's also this crushing sameness where like there's these trends there's always design trends but now exponentially people use them so it's like the same illustration like the same template like the same fonts so and,
0: yeah I, I think that I, opens
1: I, up a uh, room for really experimental work for the clients and situations that can afford and want more of a brand statement that stands out.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And, you know, I'm on, so like I'm on, I, I'm on my fourth company right now. Um, and I've, throughout all of the companies, the design agencies that I've run, I've maintained like, if I hire you for any work, you have to be able to draw mm-hmm. and illustrate oh,
1: you're talking about your own company your own yeah company.
0: Okay. yeah like if i'm hiring a freelancer or an intern mm-hmm. or even like in my first company i had full-time employees like um you have to be able to illustrate and well mm-hmm. and i've i've maintained that hard line because especially for designers specifically for designers because of that reason um and then like unique line work is yeah. like fresh yeah. because everything else is watered down and homogenous. Yeah. And I love unique line work. It, it strengthens the work product and illustrators also think differently from regular graphic designers. Yeah. So like you could be a designer that can do the, the print and let's just assume that every designer can do print well there are variations to that. So there are some designers that do print well, but then also do illustration really well, Mm -hmm. but they can't be website designers because they can't code. Inversely, you could be a designer that can't illustrate, but you could be really good at coding. So like there are these variations to that archetype that make you a bit more uh, different or um, unique, I guess. And um, I've always found that like illustrators, they just have the most unique work in the, the most unique way of thinking about the work because it, it has this different process to it. Well, you know they really I mean?
1: got to engage with the content. They really got to engage with the content. Yeah. And uh, you know, think about what is being conveyed and provide sort of a pathway for interpretation.
0: Mm-hmm. So Absolutely. I think that's
1: a little different than just adding on some structure and style and making it mm-hmm. pleasing. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so we're any, this has been great and we're getting uh, towards the end of our time. Um, how I, I had a, a, just a couple more questions for you. I wanted to know if, if you had any uh, recommendations for students right now, as we're going through the pandemic, we're all at home. What, what advice are you giving them to sort of thrive as much as they can mm-hmm. in, in school and, and with design?
1: that's a great question so um well one thing is take heart because this totally stinks and it's not anything anyone signed up for but um be excited because everyone is learning how to work remotely and even if we don't want to do that permanently it means uh, it opens up the possibility of maybe your internship doesn't have to be in Pittsburgh Right, maybe you can apply for jobs in different markets than in which you live like that's really exciting. So try to embrace it, even though it truly stinks. Um, And then just continue to be curious and uh, look for new and different things. I also enjoy um, reading histories. I brought two books with me that I was going to (laughs) show you (laughs) Um, So yeah, stay creative and it's true though that like not everyone does want to be in a job where that you have to come up with ideas and be creative 24/7. So, mm-hmm. I fully support students who would rather do like a production job or pre-press. Like that's a totally fine career path. Absolutely. Um, you know, you still get to be around creative stuff. Um, but I have some like amazing creative students, so I'm I'm really hoping that they like do agency work or something we'll, we'll see
0: yeah, um, that's great advice um, yeah. you know it, similarly i've been telling students like designers don't like to read so <laughs> i've been i've been suggesting like
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> pick up a book <laughs> um, so, can i right, do so, yeah, I've, I've got books right on my desk right awesome. but <laughs> but uh like i've just found that a lot of graphic design students just don't like to read yeah
1: that's that's unfortunate
0: yeah so as an alternative i found that they do like to learn so it's like Mm -hmm. go find some like online certifications don't don't necessarily you could do linkedin learning and that's all well and good but like look at the edx and the courseras and look at the like hubspot and yoast and all these other companies even adobe has some free certificate type of of credentials so try to find those as, as well.
1: Um, I haven't been in the certificate so much, but there's definitely like a lot of online learning and you yeah. start to get faster at sorting and sifting it. Yep. I think reading though, um, opens your mind in a different way. It makes you a better typographer for sure.
0: Oh, without a it makes doubt. makes you a
1: better typographer. <laughs> <laughs> but also here's another nugget is Look at some work that's not in the U.S. and that's not in English. Try to explore firms and designs from every continent, and mm. surf websites that are not in your native language, and just check out what's going on.
0: Yep, There's a lot I, of incredible
1: work going on.
0: It's it's kind of well. I mean, I mean, you can look at at Europe alone. Like some of the work that's coming out of there, even it's it's kind of funny because if you're only looking at design work that's from the states you're getting such a small picture um there's such amazing work coming out of like practically every country (laughs) in the rest of the world um that really it challenges it challenges you to to think about your own work and how to improve it and um that's it's, yeah. it's eye-opening. I'm doing something similar with um, higher education in how uh, I'm really kind of fascinated by the concept of we have to advertise education. Mm-hmm. Like it's not something, it, it seems like education is something that you should just want. And not necessarily in the context of like a college or university, but just wanting to know more and wanting to learn more. That's just, I feel like that's something that's just so inherently human. And yet I struggle daily (laughs) to figure out how to advertise education to people that should already want it. So I'm looking at like universities, colleges, tech schools, high schools um and and how they're advertising the concept of education it's kind of interesting
1: well it's i don't know if you found that like from my vista it feels like things have gone down this path of advertising a sort of transitional lifestyle
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and so it's a lot about like life on campus and uh, student life and less about aspirations of learning definitely more like job related so it's like
0: it's either culture or career discovery Mm -hmm. and not much about in internal discovery i guess um so yeah that that's so that's something that i've been i've been looking at and then you know i started a blog on it and how you look at how you look at all the ads and how they're broken down uh, one thing that I'm doing is I'm looking at all the logos for every university in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like four thousand, and I'm I'm trying to find the commonalities in all of them. One mm-hmm. of the overarching themes is um, utilizing a campus building.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think they make the building in order to have the logo.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> or um, you, or the one one trend that I'm finding is that uh, more institutions are building out an abstract icon.
1: Oh, interesting. Which
0: is really interesting in that abstraction has no definition until you implement it and then practice mm-hmm. it for years. Right. So um. I, and the ones that are abstract are resonating with me, but, and and I think uh, you'll appreciate this. The ones that I appreciate the most, however, are the ones that have the best type design. Ah. So there's not a lot of uh, specifically constructed type solutions. There's no, like, unique logo types. They're mm-hmm. all utilizing some typeset. Um, well, there's
1: that wacky Parsons new school redo that Pella Cher, and Pentagram did. Yes. I kind of right. have a love hate with that, but it's,
0: it's, it's out there. Well, and, and that's not something about Parsons about being able or wanting to do that. But mm-hmm. the others, it's like really nice, clean typography. It's not totally expressive, but it's in block justification. It's legible across the board, pairs really well with an icon if one is even used. Uh, but even that particular style and, and methodology is becoming homogenous. So, uh,
1: go check uh, out um, a logo caught my eye my eye yesterday. Check out the logo that someone made for the lunar rover that landed on Mars yesterday.
0: Uh, for for Percy.
1: For um, perseverance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Really uh, <laughs> I, actually- I did see that. I'll, I'll, I'll have to pull it back up. Because I, I, I remember seeing it just as a blank on the TV. Uh-huh. I walked away from it.
1: It's actually an image of the rover. But it's like the lowest, like the least number of pixels to define it possible. <laughs> so it's a little bit like a Easter egg. You're like, oh, wait, that's actually the rover in there.
0: <laughs> oh, so, uh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Because like students. I, I personally chose, I, I, so part of my research is in rebranding communities, right? And it's, I, I like that because it's unique, but the ability for one of my designs to exist for 20 some odd years is remarkable to me. Yeah, Students should endeavor to work for NASA to design a logo that goes on a rover to another planet yeah so when aliens interact with that machinery you <laughs> are actually a goodwill ambassador to the human race by virtue of having a good design <laughs> on the rover right Lots
1: well, what you said for self-life uh, yeah but- right it <laughs> will be
0: there for eternity <laughs>
1: <laughs> not to mention it's like 176 million miles away or something like that
0: yeah it's absolutely crazy well anyway uh Hila, this has been fantastic I really enjoyed talking with you and if yeah. students are interested in, in learning more about you and your career and your program at, at Robert Morris uh how could they get in, in contact with you or find well, the you
1: the best way to learn about Robert Morris is just through their website which it will probably be updated again soon but um so you can find me there um and then uh some of my wacky artwork is on uh, littlescience.com. And then I'm part of a longtime art collective called Subrosa. That's where most of my creative work has been over the years. And you can find that by going to cyberfeminism.net. Awesome.
0: <laughs>
1: Which means I, I better know. hustle over and fix my broken JavaScript. <laughs> <laughs> Get on it. Can I have 30 <laughs> seconds to plug these two books that I think are really interesting? Wonderful
0: way yes yeah
1: okay so i i found this by accident it's great so this this cat here princeton let him teach a gen ed graphic design history course to like everybody non-majors and everything and so this book is sort of a capsule summary of his lecture series and it's brilliant and it's a Divided into three main sections: typography, gestalt, and interface. Nice. And this is a very interesting way of thinking about design and making a bridge uh, from a kind of mostly American perspective of um, uh,
0: a new program for graphic design by David Reinfurt.
1: Uh-huh. And it's yes. basically like his his lecture seminar that he gives at Princeton to all majors. It's sort of a summary history of graphic design. But I think it would be, it, it kind of makes you think about innovation and entrepreneurship in design. And it gives some really cool early examples, really cool stuff. And, it, it, and then there's this book, which has just the greatest title.
0: Natural Enemies of Books, A Messy History of Women in Printing and Typography. That's awesome. Isn't
1: that awesome? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's great.
1: And the neat thing is both of these books go into this person Beatrice Ward Mm -hmm. and she kind of worked under a masculine pseudonym for a while but her basically her job was like selling fonts for monotype that was her job and um she was kind of worked in the UK and and very interesting she wrote this famous essay uh called the crystal goblet or printing should be invisible And it was kind of just about neutral effective typography completely the opposite of like rudy vanderlands and emigre Mm. um but it kind of visits her political and artistic history in both books it's really interesting she was lovers with eric gill who's a total weirdo (laughs) oh
0: yeah i covered him in my design history class oh yeah
1: yeah so but this is um uh, some young designers who discovered a trove, an archive of these women in San Francisco who used to make books, experimental books. And it kind of looks at the history of like women in typesetting and printing and font sales. So, anyway, they're both really good. And they both have like really fun layouts and things like that. So just wanted to put a plug-in for reading. <laughs>
0: awesome. Yeah, great suggestions. I'll I'll link them in the in the description. Um yeah,
1: please send me your blog. I'm curious.
0: I will. Yeah. Um, just go to uh comcenter.org, commcentered.org. Uh I just got it started and there will be some new posts coming out uh, in the next few weeks. But um, it's it. So the blog itself is really intended to be celebratory, like a, not mm-hmm. celebratory, but positive. So it's not like a design crit. It's like, hey, these are nice things. Here are some of the commonalities mm-hmm. Um the, the market is not necessarily graphic designers. So I'm actually mm-hmm. writing for marketing people. Ah. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, anyway, this was great. Thank you so much for your time. Well, and uh, you. hopefully we'll talk again soon.
1: All right. Thanks. Bye. Yeah.